you guys uh, remember Halix? Halix? Uh, so I'm guessing you guys haven't heard of Halix, right? Of what? Would you like to see a photo though? Sure. What the heck? Just imagine, it's a bright, sunny summer's day at Disneyland. You're a teen, you're, 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 you're there for the first time on your own, and you're so excited to have an experience that, is, that was designed specifically for you and specifically for people like you. I'm talking, of course, about Superstar Limo, the great... <laughs> Fuck uh, you. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I didn't everybody. know where you were going with that, but I'm so disappointed that that was it. Well, I was trying to think of something else that had about the same lifespan at uh, at Disneyland, and that was the first thing that came to mind. Hi, everybody. Welcome to I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. And joining us today, I, I am so, uh, so stoked for this. Uh, stoked for this, is the director of uh, one of the best documentaries of the year, live from the space stage, A Halix Story. Uh, Halix, we hey, just fuck. had a whole fucking conversation God. about this. Okay. <laughs> I'm leaving. That's fine. I understand. <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, our guest today is the director of one of my favorite documentaries of the year, live from the space stage, a Halix story. You just did God it again. damn it. Halix. Fuck. Okay. I hope you leave all of this. Oh, I'm in. gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> anyway, welcome, Matthew <laughs> Serrano. Oh my welcome. God, you did it too. I know. I did yeah. it too because I got in my head about it after him. I know how to say well, Serrano. Yeah, I know Serranos. Yeah. For, for, for everyone listening right now, we just had a whole intro where I was like, they were what like, are we talking about? Like, it's Halix, right? I'm like, yes. And it's also, just to be clear too, it's Matthew Serrano. <laughs> and the two hosts of your favorite show got yeah. Helix and Serrano wrong. That always right ha that always happens. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. That is prime podcasting material. Uh, wow. Is. Well, uh, thank you for the lovely. Thank intro. you so much for coming on our very professional podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, all 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 errors aside, uh, this is one of the best documentaries I've seen all year. Wow. It, thank you. It dropped around the same time as the Action Park documentary, which was another one that seemed like completely just like laser targeted at my interests. <laughs> yeah, it was weird timing. It, it, they did come out right around the same time. And it was interesting hearing because Kevin was in um, was was talking with that guy because uh, the, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with the, the director of, of the Action Park documentary. I don't know their name, but they were uh, in contact with Kevin for a while because naturally you know, when you're making an action park documentary, at some point you're going to go online and see all these comments saying defunct land already did this, defunct land already did this, defunct land already did this. So he actually extended an olive branch to Kevin. So I had been kind of hearing a little bit on the side from what he had been hearing about. But yeah, so weird that they came out so close to one another. It's completely unintentional. Yeah, but it makes for a real good double feature. Yeah. <laughs> that old theme park stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really does. Completely different stories, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, before we get into the story of Halix, Brandon, what are you into this week? This week, I am into, uh, surprise, surprise, another Jimmy Buffett album. 
Um, yeah, you recently, he recently discovered that uh, there was like a whole back catalog of Jimmy Buffett on nugs.net, so. Yeah, live <laughs> shows from the 90s, baby. Oh, that's what's up. <laughs> Lots of like prime weird uh, Jimmy Buffett stage banter, because that was during his like cosmic period, where his banter was often about like going to outer space or the moon. Um, and it Was it, it Beach whips. House on the Moon? The, uh, that actually predates Beach House on the Moon a little bit. Okay. But I was going to say, because if it were the Beach House on the Moon tour, that would make sense. That's true. I don't think there are any shows from that tour uh, on .net. Um But no, the album I want to talk about today is uh, his newest release. It's it's kind of the opposite of that thing Taylor Swift just did, where she re-recorded a bunch of her uh, greatest hits to sound exactly like they did before. Um, he has released an album called Songs You Don't Know By Heart, as opposed to his best of, Songs You Know By Heart. And it's just uh, new recordings of a bunch of deep cuts. It's just like, like a bunch of B-sides? Uh, not, even, not even B-sides necessarily, but like deep album tracks. Like you're not, you're not going to see like, you know, Volcano or Cheeseburger in Paradise, but you're going to get 12 Volt Man or uh, Chanson pour les petits enfants. <laughs> um, or a personal favorite of mine, Tin Cup Chalice. Um, but there are these really nice uh, new arrangements of these songs that are a little more acoustic and stripped down and, and really, really let the songwriting uh, shine. And like... It, it's it's easy to make fun of Jimmy Buffett, but like when when he's when he's uh, yeah, but when he's like confirmed yeah, but his he is a really interesting songwriter who has this really like wistful streak that I think a lot of people sort of miss, and this is just an album of those songs, um, okay. recorded over quarantine and, and documented by his kid. Um, oh, so this is a new album. Like yeah, it's it's. Yeah. Just dropped. Yeah, it's wow. it's a new album of old, old songs. songs. Yeah, I love that. I love Jimmy Buffett. My dad listened to so much Jimmy Buffett because we were going to, to like Las Vegas, Palm Springs, like do oh, those yeah. kind of vacations. Mm -hmm. And so like they were always playing Jimmy Buffett in the car, Jimmy Buffett by the pool. And so I grew up hating Jimmy Buffett. And then <laughs> something awakened it. And I'm pretty sure, honestly, like something reawaken my love for jimmy buffett when like i started listening to podcast the ride while doing research for halix and all, all of a sudden they're talking about jimmy buffett and it was like something like awoken me it was like they did like when they do the code for the winter soldier when they're like when they're like bus september 1996 and they just start saying random words <laughs> so you I mean, so you really fair. do know the story of jamaica mistake now <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> No, I haven't. I haven't deep dived that much into into Jimmy's work. <laughs> well, yeah, it's no, it's worth the dive. We, we we make fun of Jimmy Buffett on this show, but I think it's been a pretty well documented. We 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 stand Jimmy Buffett. It's good. oh yeah, he's one of those people that like I I truly adore both uh, like on the level and because he is also like absurd. <laughs> yeah, he's but it's, so I mean, rich. very very talented, very very good musician, but also like an experience for sure yeah we uh we saw his broadway musical uh when it came you to did? la yeah you did. we saw escape to margaritaville when it i came heard to the Dolby. bad stuff about it and it didn't look pretty good it didn't look good to me it wasn't great it was a jukebox musical yeah. it was cute but there could be it good was, jukebox there musicals. was like yeah i know but but i'm saying like a lot of people who did criticize it were just it, we're we're basically criticizing it for like there are many good jukebox musicals 
this it, this isn't necessarily that it was a bad jukebox musical. But my point is, it was it was fluff. It wasn't meant to like like people were upset that like there wasn't like a, story. a better, more coherent story in a in a Jimmy Buffett. Like it was fun. It was yeah. super fun. The the leads in the performance that we saw, like they were all fine, but the ensemble was fucking talented as fuck. They and we're, were like, like holding back. That's a shame. <laughs> yeah. So like I think it was like not a. Great cast, but we went on um, opening night here, and uh, Jimmy Buffett came out at the end. He oh, was here, and he came out and played uh, with the with the the lead. I saw they, that they video. Played a song together. So you guys were there at that performance. We were there. Yep. Yeah. Wow, that's dope. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. We had gone for my birthday, uh, which was uh, super fun. The show is is literally just Mamma Mia with Jimmy Buffett specifics. <laughs> um, I'm sure that's probably was that probably was the pitch. Oh yeah, absolutely. My, Mike O'Malley, who wrote it, probably rolled up with like, "Here, I'm just gonna do a find and replace for Mamma Mia. Replace Italy with Island." Okay, well, um, it takes place in Greece, Mamma Mia, but yeah, somewhere um, like that. Also, there's not. Oh, there is a wedding involved, but not any <laughs> mysterious dads. But enough about Island Boy. Uh, Beth, what are you into this week? Uh, I am into. Uh, well, re-into a couple nights ago, Brandon had never seen uh, Kingsman. He went to see the second one with me, which if you've never seen the first Kingsman and you've just seen the second one, I think um, it just starts full tilt. But he had seen it with me anyway. And so I, we re-watched, we re uh, well, I rewatched. he watched for the first time the first Kingsman movie the other night. And that movie still slaps. It is so much better than I thought it was going to be the first time. It's so much better now than I remember it being because it's not the kind of movie I'm normally like super into. Um, like it's very violent in places and uh, brutally so. Yeah, it's like brutally violent in places, but it's also like I, I love a good spy movie and it's just like so it, it toes that line where like it, it is brutally violent, but the way that everybody is performing so earnestly, it makes it like simultaneously a really good spy movie and a really good send-up of spy movies um like it, it has like you know james it has like austin powers villains with a james bond plot like yeah. and and like the soundtrack from knight's tale that's a good pitch and yeah and it kind of has yeah and it has a rad soundtrack um yeah god i just i that movie still slaps i'm i'm re into kingsman can't wait for the third one. <laughs> yeah, I really need to get into the Kingsman movies because they look so good. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're absolute, and they're insane. They're just. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I think, yeah, what I stand by what I said in that, like, it's, it's got like a very serious world ending plot, but it's just held up by these just like great actors doing a very silly thing very earnestly. Which is my favorite thing. Yeah, like Sam Jackson is basically just playing like he's just doing Spike, Spike Lee. Spike Lee playing Elon Musk. Like yeah. it's, it's so, so weird. Good. <laughs> it's like so specific. He's got the hat and the exact same glasses that Spike Lee has. And he like talks with a lisp. Like he just like everybody in this movie is giving like a top notch performance oh, yeah. with like some kind of like a kind of silly send up premise, but in a way that like the stakes never feel silly, even though many of the things happening are. Yeah, it, it it has that same sort of tone as like some of the Roger Moore Bonds did, where like it knows it's silly when it's silly, 
But Roger Moore looks like he's never kissed a human woman before. Nope. Or thrown a punch. He should take some tips from Sonic. He should. Sonic's kissed a human woman. Do you remember that time Sonic kissed a human woman? It's never far from my heart. (laughs) That was all. Sorry. The thing I I like the most about Kingsman, aside from the... uh, Seven minute. There, there's a scene, uh, it's like a shootout fight it's, in a it's in set a church. In a full Freebird. Uh, yeah, solo. I have seen that scene. I feel like everyone in the world, even even if even if they haven't seen the movie, I feel like everyone in the world has seen that scene. Yeah, because I mean, it's so well done and it's so long and it's so violent. But like again, it in the context of the movie, it's not gratuitous. Yeah, like it it's it is it's absolutely gratuitous, but. You know, you if you see that story divorce, if you see just that scene divorced from it, you're just gonna be like, this movie's so violent. But like when you see it in the larger context of the movie, it actually makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, which is great. It's great writing. Kingsman, great writing. Into it again, Matthew. Do you have anything you're into this week? Yeah, focaccia bread. Um. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> what? So focaccia bread. Oh yeah, hell yeah! Vacation, focaccia, tomato. I thought you said vacation bread. Uh, yeah. So I, I've been watching. No, my best friend owns a bakery, so I do happen to know it's focaccia. It's focaccia. Okay. Yeah. So focaccia bread, um, was something that. So good. Yeah, it's so good. I we 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 ordered from someplace. I think we ordered from Sweet Greens, and it came with some focaccia bread. And I was like, I took one bite, and I was like, I need to find out how to make this. And the reason why I was like, I gotta find out how to make this was because just. The day before, I had been watching the Chef Show, John Favreau's show on Netflix mm-hmm. with Roy Choi, yeah. and they had an episode with Sam Raimi. I was like, "Oh, what does Sam Raimi come and, and cook with them?" And it's John Favreau, Roy Choi, Sam Raimi, and they're all talking about baking sourdough bread. Which I'm like, sourdough bread, I could never like. That's that's going to be a few years from now. I feel like because like the whole thing with the starter and the sure the mother dough, like that's just too intimidating for me. And like I am terrible at baking bread. Like I'm, I'm fine at cooking, but I'm terrible at baking bread. And so, you know, I was thinking in my head though. I was like, "But look at this! Look at these two accomplished." Focaccia's, focaccia's a nice one though. It's easy. It's a yeah. lot easier than than like a lot of other breads, and you can yeah. make it just in like a tray. You don't need to have a bunch of stuff. No, exactly. And so that's why I was it's like, a okay, very, I'm gonna it's a try sticky it dough. Out. You do it with your hands. You don't need a dough hook or a mixer. You don't need to like knead and prove it for a nine years. Yeah, and like I I did a good job with like putting it all together, but I don't know. I think maybe something about the recipe that I used. I think maybe I needed more yeast because when I cooked it, it was very like it, it didn't have a lot of air holes in it, and like it wasn't as like soft in the middle. Like the like the oil didn't really sink down into it. It kind of had like the vibe of like more of a deep dish pizza like that you would get at like pizza hut like like personal pan pizza energy it had that energy to it where i was like okay it's getting there but um yeah i haven't i haven't tried to do it again i really want to get it right for when i go to see my parents for christmas like i I want to i want to come and bring uh focaccia bread and yeah that's great dude that's a good one oh that and then I also want to do um, because my uh, a friend of mine like two years ago did this for his birthday. He had all his friends Venmo him like ten bucks or something like that. He was mm-hmm. like, I don't want any presents, but I want all of you to Venmo me ten dollars because I'm going to buy all the ingredients to do the Cubano recipe from Chef that binging with Babish. Uh, oh oh yeah. damn! And I was there for the forty-eight hours that he did it at our friend's house. He literally like slept over at like our friend's place, and I came to visit like two days in a row. And I saw him 
prepping and doing all the work and I was there when he pulled it out of the oven and carved a piece and I had a bite and it was the best thing I've ever had oh, in oh my, my entire life. Like, I'm, <laughs> like I, I, I have, a, I have a lot of love for food. I'm very passionate about food, but I swear to you that like that meat, like I'm like, I could cry right now. Like thinking about it, like I want it again so bad. And I like hope that I don't somehow mess up the recipe because I want to do that. I want to bring that over for Christmas yeah. and then hopefully some focaccia bread. So that's nice. what I'm into this week is focaccia bread. Nice. Hell I did a yeah. lot of research on the side trying to yeah. figure that thing out. Yeah, that's a good one. That's like a good uh, if you're not like into being committed to like the whole bread thing. That's a really good one. Like, I, I mean, like I said, my best, she owns, a, my best friend owns a bakery. She's a great baker. Uh, uh, Jessica, Jessica Jem, she was on two, this show two weeks ago. Um, and, and she like primarily does breads. I'm the bakery assistant, but I'm like you, I'm a great cook, but like, I can't, I'm not a bread baker. I, no, no, it's I'm, I'm like the bakery assistant, like. Sense. I can do parts of it, like you know, I I help with with you know getting the ingredients. I'll brown butter. I'll do yeah, exactly. Like I'm like I can brown your butter. I can saute your garlic. I can make you the most amazing sauce. But like putting the bread together and I'm I'm more the I'm more the sous chef, and she does the actual baking stuff. And she's constantly like, I want you to learn, like poke this, see how this one feels. And I'm like, I dude they all just feel like dough to me you gotta have like that you gotta have that thing in your soul with bread yeah exactly (laughs) i'm like something about like me being salvadorian and norwegian like just does not translate to bread like give me a pupusa like i'm fine with that like great but (laughs) like bread i don't know anything (laughs) about bread (laughs) fantastic Um, what was I saying? You said something had a weird energy. I don't know. It's not a great segue, but I was thinking earlier, um, is this... Halix has such Canada energy to me. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need you to speak more on I, that. Do you mean like... I, like The only thing I can think of is, every, you know, everyone on Twitter and just on the whole internet, it seems, was like comparing it to twerp. They were like, twerp? Twerp? Is this twerp? Like, was twerp inspired by this? And What's twerp? twerp? Twerp yeah, see, like, I don't even know what that is. Oh, they're a great, uh, uh, like, I don't even know how you would describe them. Like, I wouldn't say funk fusion, but they're super funky. And um, Oh, you're speaking my language. Oh, Brandon's going to be looking this up. Oh, yeah. No, they're great. They're literally Halix. Like, imagine Halix, but take away the rock and, like, have them playing, like, Daft Punk Get Lucky and have them playing, like... Uh, just, just all sorts of funky tracks. And, like, it's huh. the same kind of just sounds like, like Parliament like Funkadelic. <laughs> A robot man. Yeah, a little bit like that. You know, got like oh, robot no. man. Oh, no. I totally know who Twerp is because I work with Ninja Sex Party. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. They're homies totally with Ninja Sex Party. Are. And uh, yeah, they're from Canada. So. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know oh, that. Oh, wow. Yeah. These guys look awesome. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> and uh, they actually shouted out our documentary because of how many people online attacked them and were like, <laughs> we're like, do you guys know about this? Uh, so which thank you, everyone, uh, because whenever all this is said and done, when COVID is all done and I go back to one of their concerts again, I definitely want to like <laughs> yell from the crowd. I'm the Halix guy. <laughs> Let me in yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were in a couple. Uh, we put them in a couple of the pages in the uh, the coloring book. <laughs> I, I uh, work with one of the publishers I work with. We work with Ninja Sex Party, um, and we did their coloring book and their graphic novel. That's awesome. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I was like, no, I totally know who those guys are, actually. Yeah, they're dope. Uh, yeah, that sounds well, awesome. Well, I mean, my explanation would be that, like, again, I don't. Brandon watched the documentary. 
I am very uninformed here, but to me, <laughs> I was just like, it just feels like, I don't know. Canada it feels energy. like it that. feels yeah. like a band that would have been like a fake Canadian band on How I Met Your Mother that like Robert sure, played yeah. with. <laughs> sure. Like I think that's what it is. For those who don't know, do you want to tell us what Halix is? Since I've talked a lot about what Halix isn't. <laughs> Should I be the one to explain? Sure. Somebody. I would love to hear what uh, your explanation is, Brandon. Yeah. So Halix. Um... From the documentary, at least, uh, back in the early 80s, Disney essentially tried to, like, take the energy and vibe of Star Wars because we were a year past uh, Empire Strikes Back, a couple years from Jedi. And it was still very much that, like, push of everyone wants to have a Star Wars. And so Disney was like, let's try to do that in the park. And so they created a some, like, Disney Records people created a rock band with like a sort of star wars aesthetic with like you know a big fuzzy bass player and like a lizard guy playing congas and a dude in like like a robot in what looked like a big golf cart uh that would roll around on stage and uh they played like cool kind of hard rock tracks for a summer and seemed like the coolest thing that's ever happened in Tomorrowland. Yeah, you got all that right. <laughs> aside, aside from the people mover. They're the coolest okay. thing that's ever happened in Tomorrowland. So this is also helping me more with time frame. Because, see, when you made a superstar limo joke at the beginning, I was like, wait, was this in the 90s? Right. <laughs> no. Because you made a joke about California Adventure, which did <laughs> yeah. not exist at this the time. Is, no. Yeah, Halix is in a weird time frame. It's in a weird time frame where it's, like, it's way past Walt's death. Like... There's, I feel like there's a weird dead zone of Disney history, like right after Walt dies and then right mm -hmm. before Michael Eisner comes in, because mm -hmm. I feel like, and especially in the case of like something like, you know, uh, the, the Imagineering story, it's like, yeah, Walt died, we built up Kai, and then we made Star Tours. Like, it's like, what? but, but, but what happened at Disneyland for 20 years? What happened? Yeah. yeah. And I feel like. Or not, I feel like I know for a fact because I watched every single home video that there is of Disneyland between 1977 and 1985. And I can tell you that n almost nobody filmed the space stage area, which is wow. such a shame because it is such a dope idea if you think about it. Like imagine, you know, there's, the, there's a corner of Tomorrowland where there's nothing. And then they put like a little like concert stage there and then they decide you know what we're gonna build a freaking a mountain and we're gonna make a roller coaster in there and instead of getting rid of the concert stage we're gonna build it into the structure so we're going to have this oh so it was right in front of Space Mountain? So it was like in front and underneath. So for, for those that are familiar with Disneyland's layout now of like the last 30, 40 years, mm -hmm. uh, like 35 years, for the last 35 years, when you go to the Space Mountain area, you know, they don't have, they haven't had the escalator in decades, but RIP. imagine right there, like smack dab in the middle rather than going left to go up that walkway on the left side to go up to where the space mountain queue is up top imagine right there like where basically where the the spinning ball fountain is that there was an escalator and that you could go up that escalator and when you got to the top of the escalator 
you could either go left and, you know, there was upstairs dining over there, or you could go right into Space Mountain. And that entire center area that they never have you queue on is just, it's just empty. And, and, and a lot of people like to say, oh, it's, it's like a helicopter landing spot. And it kind of looks like it could be that. But imagine that that used to be a yeah. hole. Okay. I've queued around it, but you're right. Nobody goes in the middle. Yeah, like down in in there where the theater is, where there's a 3D theater that mm-hmm. used to be an open air auditorium, and okay. all sorts of music acts used to come and play there. Huge acts, like I think, um, I think my dad saw like uh, like X there. The oh LA wow! X. Yeah, no, like they had huge, huge acts that would come play there, come play all around Disneyland. It's like seeing Guar at Disneyland. I feel like after they built like. After they built Big Thunder Mountain, they just kind of were like, eh, we don't know what else to add to Disneyland. So we're just going to make this like the place to be. So they would just hire all sorts of musical acts to come and play like, you know, like tonight you can go see like Earth, Wind and Fire on the on the rivers of America. But then at the same time in Tomorrowland, you've got Halix playing or you've got like whoever playing like really huge hot acts. Yeah. That's cool. I, and it's also, they were so, it's so weird, like, in the Disney history, too, because they were so focused on Florida at exactly. that point. They were so focused on getting Epcot open in 82, and, like, mm-hmm. the and the weirdest thing about Disneyland in general is that it's really just the world's most successful regional theme park. Most people who go to, people who go to Disney World come from all over the world. The majority of people who attend Disneyland have come from within four hours of the park. Exactly. Yeah. And so a like, lot of so them... That's, it's, it's just such a wild thing to like think about like being happening when the focus was so not here. Yeah. Because <laughs> like if you go to Walt Disney World, your focus is like, okay, I got to ride Space Mountain. I got to ride this. I got to ride that. I got to ride this. I got to ride that. Whereas Disneyland's like, okay, I've ridden... Like Space Mountain is one year old, one year old and I've already ridden it a hundred times. Uh, but I've never seen this musical act before. So you could definitely do more of that experimentation at Disneyland. And I feel like... There's probably so many more obscure things that have just been lost to history, especially from during that time of them just throwing things out there and trying random things. Because, like, you know, obviously at Walt Disney World, like, they're ending these shows and performances that have lasted for decades. But that was the one show. Halix is one of thousands of shows that played at that space stage for those two decades that it was around. Wow. So that is the, so wild. The members of Halix, they were uh, they were costumed and stuff, but were they generally the same people? Was it like one band? Yes, or it was. It was, it was one band. Costumes? It wasn't. Okay. It wasn't like something like I think with something group. even like Mad Tea Party. I think that they had multiple drummers on call, multiple guitarists on call, multiple singers. I don't know about the the members of the band, but I do know that at the very least, the singer was one of a few. Um, but no, Halix was cats because the, the whole thing with Halix was it wasn't intended for the theme park. They didn't set out to make it as like, okay, let's add something to the space stage. Let's add something to the identity of Tomorrowland. It strictly was, honestly, from talking with Gary Chrysler about it, it honestly started off as a movie pitch. It was, let's create these characters and let's create this concept art. And they took it to Ron Miller, who was CEO at the time. This is right before Michael Eisner. 
And he was like, well, you guys doesn't seem like you guys have a story. So like, I don't know what you want me to do with this. Like we can't green light a movie with no story. And it was when they went back to the drawing board that they were like, wait a second, we're a record company. Why don't we just make this a band like Kiss? And so right. that was how Halix started. It, it was, it was more of an, like it was, it was, it was definitely a Disney records project that it just so happened that it just lined up perfectly of like, okay, we need this band to test and play in front of an audience and to grow. And what would be the cheapest place to put them in? Disneyland. We can just throw them on there and we'll have teens coming, you know, every night to check them out. And then we'll hear if they're cheering or not. And then we can bring people from other record companies to come see that. And like, it's perfect that it's in Tomorrowland. And like, it just happened to work perfectly. It was never something that was intended from the get-go to be a Disneyland thing. Hmm. That's interesting. And like musically, it was very kind of of the time as well. It's that sort of like, not quite as shreddy Van Halen kind of sound. That sort of early 80s, like, harder rock. Um, And like, is so much like, like musically doesn't really fit with anything Disney has ever done otherwise. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And and the weird thing, it's funny that you mentioned that about uh, Van Halen because uh, Bruce Gowdy, the, the band's guitarist, actually grew up with the Van Halen brothers. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's an incredibly talented guitarist. And like, yeah, he, he grew up shredding with the Van Halen brothers. And like, I feel like Halix does have a little bit of that Van Halen sound in oh, totally. their guitar. But oh, yeah. their sound is, is definitely interesting because, yeah, it's like it is like a mix of like it is very pop, 80s pop because of like but because of like early just 80s music, music it, just, like it just happens to be kind of harder sounding because it's all about the big drums and the guitar turned to 10. But then like, yeah, having things like the keyboard there and then like having bongos and percussions like it is it is weird. It's a weird fusion of like it, it definitely definitely sounded like the music of the time but then it also did kind of sound like its own thing and it like from the the footage in the documentary of of their performances it sounds like they whipped like like that does not sound like a crowd that's just like politely clapping because they've seen a disney show like the crowd seemed so into it and what's interesting too about that is um there's only two performances that I was able to get my hands on. One was recorded from a guy whose brother worked for uh, marketing at Disneyland. And so he got permission from his brother to sneak in an audio tape recorder. And so if you go on YouTube and you look up Halix and you see that there's audio performances, that's what that's from. Um, cool. But we got access to performance video footage from the the band's drummer brian lucas and so when i would compare both performances i could tell that the the audio footage even without knowing that it was from earlier on in the summer i could just tell because their energy was not quite there yet sure like laura didn't really own the stage even if even just an audio like i could just tell she didn't own being in the leading position and then yeah watching the performance footage it's a completely different story they are rocking it laura's giving it a thousand percent and like what you were talking about brandon like in those audio performances from the from early on in that summer you could hear like and then 
you know, the light, polite theme park clapping. But you get to that performance video footage in the documentary and they're jumping up and, and screaming their heads off unlike yeah. anything I have ever heard at a theme park ever. I went to the closing day performances for Aladdin at DCA, which is one of the oh, most nice. beloved Oh yeah, people theme park were so upset when it went away. Oh, my whole family was upset. We all went. Which like my whole family didn't even go together to Galaxy's Edge opening or Rise of Resistance opening, but we made sure to all be there, like took taking off work and stuff to go see uh, the Aladdin show closing. And the cheers and the screams didn't even match like the fucking like screaming that was happening for Halix, which is so crazy. That's yeah. ins- that's wild. Because they rocked. Yeah. And because and, it's very much like that's the sort of thing that Disney doesn't generally do. Like, I, I and Disney back in the 70s and 80s was a little bit less like corporately spit shined. But especially in like the last couple decades, everything Disney does kind of has that like Disney polish and like there's not going to be anything really objectionable to it. Um, but uh, this really had like. Not that Halix was objectionable, but it feels yeah. a little like too cool for Disney in a way. Ex- exactly. It, it feels a little bit like, what, what, why is this here? I love that this is here, but like this feels so different. I like to use like this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ruin like a lot of things for a lot of people, but like my Perfect. biggest. Perfect. Love my, it. That's what biggest, this show's for. My biggest pet peeve in it doesn't matter if it's music, live performance, movies, like comedy specials, anything, anything. You lose the audience the second that you ask the audience what you're trying to achieve. And what I mean by that is Disney is the most guilty of that. Like, what what was it? It's the, like, uh, like asking that, you that, have y'all having a good time, like that, that kind shit. of thing. Yep, it's mm. it's uh you know that new and I know I'm gonna lose some people because I know some people like this even though I think it's the worst thing Disney's ever done. But that like Mickey Mouse mix it. What what was it called? Like the fireworks oh, show. Uh, Get Mickey's your ears on. Mix Mania or something. Mix like Magic. That, like, yeah, uh, Mickey's Mix Magic. Yeah, the techno project projection show. Yeah. I watched that stone at work. Come a couple on, everybody, times. get your ears on. It's a good time. Fuck you. Don't tell me it's a good time. Show me a good time. <laughs> I hate that. And show don't tell, man. Show don't tell. Exactly. Show don't tell. Like I hate that so much. And like, yeah, yeah Halix never did that. Like literally, no. like at one point they stop and they go, "Welcome everybody. We're called Halix," and everyone just screams their head off. And it's like, yeah, and then and then they're like, "Yeah, you guys ready for more songs?" And everyone's like, yeah. "Fucking yes, yes we are." And then like, yeah. Meanwhile, like. Yeah, like every Disney song's like just believe in yourself, clap, clap along if you're having fun, like don't, family and no. friends. Yeah, like like Yeah, Disney like, feel now, free to laugh. No, no. How about you make me laugh? Yeah, Disney now and in the 90s I think was just so much more now now and in the 90s. Like since then everything is either it has to be a tie-in they like the 80s was kind of like the last like great era of Disney partnering with like outside brands. Not that Halix is an outside brand because they were developed, but they're not they're not based on a movie. You know, now people they only want to give people things that were already recognizable. Yeah. Whereas like Halix feels like it's more in line with like I don't know how much uh familiarity you you have with uh Epcot and the bands that play there, but they they felt more in line with like 
the the guys that would play at the Canada Pavilion or like that kind of thing. These like kind of established bands that just have like a residency rather than being like a Disney thing. Which is weird because they were manufactured. Yeah. Yeah. So it's I mean, it's very interesting that they got and they only had like less than three months to perform together and yeah. rehearse together. So the fact that they were able to like build up that sound so fast is a real testament to not only the band members, but I also think Mike Post and Stephen Geyer, who are the music directors and producers of of the show, and I think that mm-hmm. they really helped a lot with um with getting them to that point in uh in rehearsals. Oh yeah, it has such a specific sound to it that you kind of couldn't get without a very steady hand uh, musically behind it. Can I drop something really cool? Uh, oh hell yeah! I yeah. Mentioned Mike Post. Um, not not to oust Mike Post, music composing legend Mike Post or anything like that, but we did uh, we recently did a um, a drive-in screening of of our movie Life in the Space Age: A Halo Story, and we we. We hosted it in Anaheim. It was very close to Disneyland. And um, we had like a reunion panel and all this stuff. And I reached out to Mike and I asked him if he could intro the movie. And we hadn't talked since the movie had been finished. And, and, and this is he had he had seen it finally at this point. And so we got on the phone and he recorded the thing for me. And then we got to talking a little bit about the movie and coronavirus and stuff like that. And... Uh, he dropped the crazy, like the, one of the coolest things that ever happened to me. He told me on the phone, he was like, well, by the way, Matt, like if you got any projects like in the future that you want me to compose, like I'll, I'll do it for you. <laughs> like, oh, hell what? yeah. <laughs> That's cool, dude. That fucking whips. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Mike Post scoring. Like I was like, Halix 2, baby. Let's go, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. I was like, come on, green light it. The Halix <laughs> dramatization. I was like, I can't lose this favor. Come on, Kevin, please. <laughs> Kevin Perjurer, make this happen. <laughs> that I, I haven't talked about that in any podcast, so because that that happened like a month ago, I thought I'd bring that up. That's super. That's cool, so though. good. Um. So, so now that we've sort of established what uh, Halix is, how how did you get from an '80s rock band at Disneyland to a defunct land documentary in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> well, it started in 2019, actually, when I had just released a documentary about the Epcot ride Horizons. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and I've was, maybe seen that. He's probably. I watched think you it. might have. It's called "Remain Seated, Please," and it's a story of Hoot and Chief, these two guys that. Would oh, I love that. Oh. Brandon is he, oh yeah he's oh no oh, are we about to have are we about to have two episodes am I am I gonna have to come on for a second episode and talk I, about I, horizons I think you might have to come on and talk about horizons <laughs> for a, like a three hour bonus it's just, better, it's just better if somebody else is here because otherwise Brandon will just talk about horizons mm-hmm. for three hours on his own yep I uh, I literally yeah. just bought a mask on Redbubble of the uh, butler. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. I got the butler and I got the uh, uh, red-haired guy from the Maelstrom mural. <laughs> I know exactly the guy that you're talking about. Yeah, funny funny quick aside about the Horizons robot butler. I I was a huge... This, this documentary, Making Halix, was like the fucking perfect documentary for me because sure. growing up, I was like... I was obsessed with rock, uh, guitar hero and rock band. And I was like, I want to learn how to play guitar. And so I got super into eighties rock music. 
And then I was, I'm, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I've been a huge Star Wars fan since the second my parents handed me a toy and it was a Mace Windu toy on fire from Attack of the Clones <laughs> from, from that scene when it gets loaded by Jango. <laughs> Like, and <laughs> loving Star Tours and just loving all of Tomorrowland in general, like, could not be a perfect documentary for me. And also, me being a Defunctland fan, getting to make the premiere feature documentary on the Defunctland YouTube channel, like, what an honor and such a perfect clash of all of these things that I love. And it was, trust me, researching Halix was, and also loving Disneyland, like, researching Halix was not a hard thing for me to do. And so, hell yeah. I had a great time spending hours going into 4am every night watching my 500th disney home video staring at it scanning through them going no helix footage uh, okay well, time to pull up another disneyland home video oh no might as well double check anyway might as well double check let me let me go back that was some pretty bitch and small world footage anyways <laughs> but yeah when i was a kid i was obsessed with interventions and yeah. interventions had that intro where they're going through everything and and tom morrow goes robot kitchen and they show two different shots and they show or a, a few shots. They show like one shot of like something coming out of a table and they go past a robot butler. And I remember as a kid, like I would always wait for that shot to come by on the TV and I would stare at it and study it because I was so fascinated by it because I was like, okay, this footage looks good. Like it's, it, it's good quality footage so clearly this is something real like clearly this isn't cgi or something animated but what is this from is this from a movie did they make this for this intro like what could this be and i was so fascinated by the design of the robot and everything about it i was just so transfixed and curious about this and so fast forward to a couple of years back when i'm watching through all these defunct epcot ride throughs and i'm watching through this horizons ride through going this is incredible this is amazing this is a ride that they had at epcot and then all of a sudden it was the craziest like craziest thing of like oh my god that's what it was i've ever had in my entire life where i'm watching this ride through footage and it was exactly framed just like the interventions footage and came up perfectly where it was like i felt like in ratatouille when anton ego like rewinds back to him being a kid <laughs> sure. like, oh my god that's what it's from <laughs> like finally figuring out like that's what it was from and i i like had to tell somebody i like like i don't even know where it was like i think i was like editing something at college like at my film school and i like ran over to another desk and i had to tell my friend like donnie donnie you'll never guess what happened to me i just found out who the fucking robot butler was they're like looking <laughs> at me like okay that happens with beth and i all the time <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fine. I never know what he's talking about, but babe, look at this obscure thing I figured out. Okay. For that time, you just you really wanted me to watch the like constituted horizons footage. And yeah. Like, All right. <laughs> and have I you have you Matthew have you seen that the uh, like horizons revisited? I think it's called that uh, retro WDW put out. No, I haven't. But I saw him. I saw them posting about it, and I saw like I kind of followed through the the progress of restoring footage and stuff. But I I. I didn't know that it was out. It's I, I really good. It. It's but yeah, it's been out since I want to say it dropped like honestly kind of around when uh, when your movie dropped. Um, but they basically just whatever the process that people can do now of like using like AI to like cor like correct stuff. We tried doing the same thing with the Halix concert footage. Oh, uh, that work. that makes sense. <laughs> it's harder <laughs> it with people. It, yeah, with people and the fact that like Halix wasn't 
uh, documented from every single possible angle. Yeah, not a lot of information that we can give to the computer, no. really. Yeah. But it, 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 it really, it makes that ride, like, it, it cuts away the level of having to, like, you know, use your imagination a little bit because, like, the footage is shaky or it's, like, you know, just old and weird. And it makes it look like it was just shot, like... Oh, you want to talk about shaky Horizon footage? I'll tell you all about that on the Horizon. <laughs> right? Um, and it's it, it looks as close as it did, you know, if you had shot a POV of it today with, like, you know, a decent camera. Um, the only thing it's missing is the, the Hoot and Chief angles. Yeah, right? Um, yeah, so going back to, to, to Halix, I, I had made that documentary. And so for those that don't know, Remain Seated Please is a documentary about these two guys, Hoot and Chief, that when they found out that this Ride Horizons at Epcot was about to close, they created a system, a plan, a whole scheme of running around the ride, filming and documenting, documenting everything that they could because it was their favorite ride. They found out that there were specific places they could hop off the ride and wouldn't be noticed. That's that's yeah. key here. They, yeah. they created a system where they could they they would watch in the loading area and they would go, okay, well, you know, th- those thirteen cars are empty. So if we just sit in the middle of those thirteen cars and get out, we can walk around the set and no one will be riding as we're walking around the set. And yeah, they did this for months and they filmed a lot of it. And so I compiled together a documentary telling the story of their adventures and 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 uh, it did very well on, on YouTube. Uh, a lot of people were sharing it around and it was crazy putting it up on a YouTube channel with zero subscribers. And then now it's sitting at over 300,000 views, which is oh nuts. damn. And so, yeah, because pretty much every cast member at Walt Disney World and Disneyland shared it around. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's pretty oh, yeah. much what happened. And um, yeah, I caught the attention of Kevin Perger, who runs the Defunct Man YouTube channel, which for those that have not seen that YouTube channel and they like theme parks, I don't know you, what you have been doing. Uh, that is the best, and I'm, I'm, I swear I'm not biased, that is the best uh, YouTube channel for especially Disney and Universal, getting your Disney and Universal fix on uh, the history of their parks and, and specific attractions. But Oh, absolutely. It, it's like it's like broadcast quality good. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he Kevin is, is now, he's doing things on the side with real studios, production studios and stuff. Like, he's legit. Like, he... Oh, that's he, awesome. He, he is an amazing talented filmmaker and producer yeah no lots of stuff that obviously i can't talk about but yeah he 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 does he actually does do some now legit broadcast quality oh that's great but anyways so yeah so he he reached out to me and he wanted to team up on something i was completely down because i like i've said i I was already a huge fan of defunct clan and actually, his his War for Disney's America video was a huge inspiration to me because it was kind of like validation where I felt like I remember I was watching it with, with friends and I was telling them, like, see, I'm right. This is exactly what I've been trying to say. You can tell really engaging stories in the theme park sphere. You just got to pick like a genre and a way of telling them and him choosing the Ken Burns style to tell the War for Disney's America video was such a perfect choice. And so for the Horizons video, 
a friend of mine suggested that I make it like a Ocean's Eleven film where I make it like a heist film where I explain how they did it and how they got away with it and then watch them as they execute the plan and as they almost got caught, but then they get away with it. Oh, that part is so good. <laughs> and so, yeah, so me and Kevin teaming up on something, we we went through so many ideas and we couldn't figure out anything that we were because originally the idea was okay let's make like a 40 minute video for the channel that was the original idea was like the original agreement was it's got to be at least 40 minutes long and we talked for hours and we had multiple skype calls and multiple skype calls and then finally we did the skype call where we jump on i'm like how's it going going good great and we just go quiet and i'm he's going searching blogs and I'm searching on r slash obscure media <laughs> on Reddit and didn't know that was a Reddit, like, but now I'm going to be obsessed with it. Oh yeah. It's fantastic subreddit. And in fact, I think I'm still one of the top videos on there. I think my horizons documentary is still one of the top videos on. Oh hell yeah. Wait, which obscure subreddit? Media. Obscure media. All right. The top thing on there now is a Devo performance from Letterman in 82. So yeah, I'm going to like this subreddit. <laughs> Fantastic subreddit. I actually, I, um, I, I, I got top of the month, I think, like two months ago because um, oh, yeah. I found this insane video of, because what was it? I even know how I like got down this rabbit hole, but me and my girlfriend were talking about stuff and somehow I fell down the rabbit hole of like going through this Barbie movie credits and finding out okay. wait what the fuck harvey weinstein played a role in this movie and like literally like there's this random barbie like straight to dvd movie where harvey weinstein just appears in animated form and he voices himself and all what? of these friends are stoked to meet him yeah this is real huh. <laughs> that is the craziest thing when when, yeah. when was this made um oh yeah if you go on <laughs> hopefully not within the last couple years literally if you go on r slash obscure media and you click top of this year it is the one two three four fifth thing down is barbie and friends are excited to meet animated harvey weinstein played by himself 2005 wow (laughs) it is it is upsetting It is really. Oh, exciting. wow. That is ins- that is insane. Yeah, it's a great so subreddit. But anyway, is this where you guys found Halix? No. So okay. the, this has nothing to do with Halix, but it just oh, it was what fine. I was. I just it, following. It was what Thankfully, I was, Harvey Weinstein uh, isn't a Halix fan. <laughs> it was what I was browsing through at the time when when the Halix word was first dropped. And it was the first time I ever heard it was from Kevin's lips. Kevin just. All of a sudden, like 10 minutes into one of our meetings, he just started laughing. And I was like, what's so funny? And he goes, go on Google right now and type in Halix. I was like, okay. And I saw the poster and I was like, what the fuck is this? Because it's a weird thing. Like I've, 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 I've said this before, but like it, it still is like, it, it still rings true that like my first experience of seeing Halix for the first time was like, this is so weird and this doesn't register in my brain because immediately like in in my head the words knockoff came to mind because mm-hmm. clearly this was okay clearly this is disney trying to knock off star wars but when you think of knockoff you think of something with low effort and this clearly doesn't look like something with low effort put into it because the poster is fucking amazing the poster yeah. is genuinely one of the best posters i've ever seen 
It's and so, so it's I so was good. already. It looks a fascinated. lot like the original Star Wars poster. It really does, but then it's also its own thing. That's the oh, other totally. weird thing about it too, is it doesn't feel like, oh, they're trying to do Star Wars. It's like, no, this is a beautiful poster. And it happens to it just Laura happens to be doing the same pose as like Luke. And it's just so I was just so fascinated immediately. And then yeah, immediately Kevin started throwing out like names and going like, I found a blog where they're talking about it. I was like, hey, did you find anything else? And he was like, no, but this is what you're doing. We're making the, we're, you're going to get the band back together. And he hung up and I was like, wait, what? No, hold on. Wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> because I was already, uh, because like, okay, think about this, right? Like imagine, you know, me sitting in my, in my room working, uh, you know, thinking about making a documentary about horizons. It's like, okay, this is kind of a no brainer. Like, I have all this footage sitting in front of me. Like the story is done. The story is told. So I just have to take all this footage and then make sense of it, make it coherent. And so, you know, and obviously there's tons of ride through footage of, of horizons to reference and there's music and all that stuff. And with Halix, it was like, and spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen the documentary yet, uh, but it was like literally one minute into me knowing about Halix, we knew that Laura was dead because we read it on the blog post. So it's like, okay, here are names of people. We don't have any contacts. Also, the lead singer is dead. And this was 39 years ago. So for all you know, the drummer could be the only person alive. Good luck. Oh, and also <laughs> the album is lost forever to time and no one filmed it. Oh, fine. Good luck. <laughs> it was like, okay, great. So I'm going off a poster and five photos. Great. So you decided to make a documentary on hard mode, basically. Yeah. And so basically everyone, including the guy who made the band, Gary Kreisel, who also would later go on to found, you know, Disney television animation, um, called me on the phone and told me like, I, he, he literally, he called me and it was, it was the nicest phone call. He, he said, I did a terrific job. And he was like, I was just so stunned that you did so much with so little he's like really like i thought everything was gone and like you found first of all the fact that you found anything is amazing and the fact that you did that with that is incredible and so literally like even the people that were in the band were shocked but extremely grateful because yeah we we hunted and we hunted and we hunted and slowly but surely we found just enough i feel like to tell the best possible halix story that we could Oh yeah, absolutely. And like the the footage that's in there is across the board phenomenal. It is. Like I know I know a lot of reviews were like even though the footage quality is so so, I'm like listen, that footage was filmed by an 8-year-old boy holding a high eight camera back in 1981. That is the best fucking footage I've ever seen. Yeah. It, it, like the fact that he gets coverage like on for, for different performances like on one time that they're playing jailbait he'll get a bunch of wide angles but then the next performance because it's actually two different sets compiled together on the other on the other performance he'll get close-ups of all the band members and it stays in focus and he has a steady hand the entire time mm -hmm. like it's oh, incredible yeah. footage because some, some of the stuff you use looks like it was if not like professionally shot like pretty close yeah, and it was an eight-year-old. <laughs> that is wild. It was the drummer's little brother at the time. I was going to say, did you talk to him? 
I actually haven't met um, his brother, but I, I just talked with Brian Lucas uh, not too long ago. I want to say like two months ago, I, I chatted with him uh, uh, about everything and asked him how he was doing. And uh, yeah, he was like, yeah, I still don't know if my brothers have seen the documentary. I'm like, I'm like the whole internet is literally, literally wants to thank them because they filmed the freaking Disney equivalent to the Sapruder film. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, that'd be like if, the, if if an eight-year-old had also somehow shot a footage of the original Hatbox Ghost, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. No, it's so crazy. That is that is wild. There's that there's that one cut in the movie that made me laugh really hard. Oh, it, please tell me which one it is. Um, it's it's towards the end once we we're sort of finally to the present, and it's uh, I don't remember. It's the the bald guy, uh, producer guy, Mike uh, Post. who said, yeah. yeah, Mike Post, who is like. You know, I never thought I would have, you know, some some kids show up and ask start asking questions. Oh, about there's Halix. never going to be a bunch of nerds that come around that want to know about Halix or hear it. Exactly. And then smash cut to podcast the ride. <laughs> <laughs> that, that made me laugh so hard that I made Beth come watch it. Oh, that's fantastic. I, I mean, he wasn't wrong there. Those those would be the people to smash cut to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, like, literally from the beginning, like, 20 months ago, like, me and Kevin, I, I like, I told him, I was, like, after I filmed with Mike, I was, like, yeah, he said a line that literally, as he said it, in my head, I knew, oh, we're gonna cut to podcast the ride, <laughs> and Kevin saw the line, and he went, yeah, that's, yep, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. That's so good. Um, and y'all shot that, uh, live show they did at, uh, Dynasty, I think? Yes, we did. Yeah. God, it feels like forever ago because right? it was like almost two years ago. And Damn. if you add COVID along with that, it feels like a decade ago. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Like literally like when I was smashed between like five people, like in the back row of a packed theater audience and we were none the wiser. Was was that the was that the show uh, where they did Superstar Limo or was it that was it was their hundredth episode? We yeah. we were there. Yeah, we were there. That was great. No way, really. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, we were there. Did and you a, see a, a coworker us of mine afterwards. No, but a coworker of mine is uh, one of the people that got interviewed. Ha! <laughs> really? <laughs> He's in the movie for a hot second. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, we saw that. That was my first um, podcast, The Ride Experience. I hadn't really ever listened to them. Uh, Brandon had gone when they had um, that guy's display up in the old Toys R Us. Yeah, whatever that was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Sports Richard Authority. Pratt, the old Sports Authority. Uh, that's from so, Disneyland display. Yeah, so we went and saw that, and then they did a show there that Brandon went to. But I, I just went to look at the stuff, and then I left. It's so uh, weird how like how things just are. Just, things are just so weird. Like I, I, because I remember like going to like that the that's from disneyland show and to fast to think like fast forward two or three years i'm on the phone with richard Kraft, and we're putting together a drive-in screening of my movie of which he had never heard about halix and by the way us talking about the poster yeah even though he sold all of his disneyland memorabilia like after he watched the documentary he hunted down, found the original poster artist, and bought the original Halix poster, and it is now hanging in his dining room. Oh wow! Holy shit! Yeah. So, 
fucking crazy. Like, imagine telling me like three years ago, like, yeah, this guy with the collection, you're going to make a movie that's going to make him want to buy something. (laughs) It's just weird. It's so weird. Yeah. And like, you're going to make a movie about something this dude has never heard of. No, exactly. Like, like, yeah, this guy with the, with the rocket rod vehicle. Yeah. You're going to make like, you're going to make something that he's going to go. What's that? Seeing a, seeing a rocket rod in person, uh, which was just such a beautifully built example of Disney's hubris, uh, was one of my <laughs> one of my favorite things at that show. I never thought I'd get to see a rocket rod in person and was just like, there it is. The dumbest thing Disney ever did. <laughs> second dumbest. Uh, second fair. only to Halix. No, I'm just kidding. Halix is dope. <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> well, are, is there anything uh, else about, about Halix that we haven't quite covered yet that you would... Uh, like to talk about i don't know i'm still looking i'm staring at the <laughs> harvey weinstein meets barbie and friends thinking, How <laughs> oh, don't that? worry we're gonna watch it later <laughs> yeah i've got it open in another tab <laughs> like even though i'm the one that posted it i'm just staring at it like god how is this real um <laughs> well with halix like it's such, it's such a shame that like halix lasted as long as it did it should it should still be around Honest, yeah. Honestly, if if things had gone right, Halix should have been one of the things that we all went no over when Disney announces that they cut the show forever because of COVID, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it should have been something, like, that was eternal. And honestly, they really should make the space stage again. They should find yeah. a way to do that because... Just, if you're nobody's not going watching to, the stupid movies they put no in there. Yeah, nobody's cares. watching Path of the Jedi nobody's or watching, whatever it is. First off, nobody even knows that theater's there. And then when exactly. when they do get down there, you're like, wait, I, what is this? You why, could, why am I watching this? Like, that could help with capacity so much. Oh, totally. It could mm-hmm. help with capacity so much. And it could create something that is an event, like, either on the weekends or on the weekdays. Like, it, it just having that energy like you know it was different like back when mad tea party was the thing because i remember like me and all my friends would be like uh that's embarrassing like sorry to all you tea party mad tea party stands out there but we were like you're not wrong like Like, i i'm with you there i was always like let me walk in the furthest swath around this i possibly because i was like one the music is bad sorry The music is not good. It's all it's like all bad covers. And then also like I fucking despise Tim Burton, Alice in Wonderland and everything yeah. associated with it. Yeah. And so that show was is the exact opposite of Halix, where like Halix, the music is awesome and the idea and concept of it are awesome and fun. Mad Tea Party was the exact opposite. And I also just hated who it attracted because it attracted people that wanted to drink at Disneyland. So I mean, in fairness, I I I do enjoy having a beer and walking around California adventure. Oh yeah, that's fine. But that it attracted is... the people that only like doing that. Uh, yeah, sure. But I mean, that's very on brand for something in DCA to just be like the most annoying version of a thing, and Disneyland being like, "You like this, right? This is what yep. you want." Mm-hmm. No, yeah. no, this is not what anybody wanted. And we're gonna put it right in front of the Monsters Inc. ride that nobody wanted either. Yeah. I like the Monsters Inc. ride. Fair. <laughs> but that being said, I do, I do kind of, I like having that, like, just music, like, where is that music coming from? Having that in Tomorrowland where it's rock music would be sick on weekend yeah. nights. 
Mm -hmm. And especially because it's it's live and not like a pre-recorded thing, which like a live band being hella loud has its own specific sound that like triggers the human body into like, okay, all right. And just like Mike Post said, like you can't play this music quietly. No, no. And honestly, Tomorrowland is coolest at night. That would be so rad. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to see... I would have loved to seen Halix play at uh, Disney World Halix. Tomorrowland. Halix. Oh, Halix. Again? Dang it. <laughs> Did you I, do it? I, I, have it. I have it up in my notes app right to the <laughs> – I have the pronunciation of it in my notes app to the right of my window. Um, but it would have been cool to see them at the uh, Tomorrowland 95 in Disney World, yeah. which has that kind of like oh, yeah. future that never was vibe that I adore. Well, it's interesting you say that because there was, it's a weird name. It's like something like Plek 2. I'm going to look it up. Plek 2 Review Tomorrowland. Oh, yeah. That sounds familiar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I found it. I found it. Um, There was a pitch that was supposed, it was supposed to replace Innoventions at Disneyland in California. It was going to be on the first floor, but it was going to basically be like, a new version of what America Sings was, where you sit down, you're watching, you know, all these animatronics singing and whatnot. And so, I love America Sings. It was so going much. to be this show, or similar to the concept of Halix, where it's like this alien has crash landed into the heart of Tomorrowland, and they're gonna play some popular music. And so. The alien was named Plectu, and the and the show concept was called the Tomorrowland Intergalactic Review. Okay. Oh, I feel like I've heard Jim Hill talk about that at some point. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, it, it was an interesting concept, and I feel like that is kind of like what you're talking about. Like, I feel like someone did think about that. It is really interesting because, it, it, like, some of the older Imagineers do know what Halix is. And I know for a fact two very prominent Disney Imagineers – uh, know what Halix is because I got to talk to him about it. It was very, very weird. Um, hmm. One, I'll, I'll just I'll share these and then and, and then uh, I'll uh, I guess we can close from there. Um, the the first one was I uh, I was really fascinated with uh, Six Flags Power Plant. If you guys know what that is, yes, Six Flags Power Plant is the sickest theme park that doesn't exist anymore. It's it basically really like is. imagine Six Flags being like we're gonna make like a Disney level of like theme park with like amazing theming and no roller coasters. Like it's literally just gonna be like animatronic shows and special effects shows and walk around malls and it was dope. It was super dope. Yeah. And so I was trying to find out more information about it. And I saw a name, Eddie Soto. Eddie Soto is, is a former Disney Imagineer. And he had a time where he worked on the Six Flags project, uh, the, the, the PowerPoint project for Six Flags. And so I found an email for him. And I got into an email correspondence with him where I told him what I was working on. And he was like, yeah, I know what Halix is. And like, <laughs> now we're homies. And um, and I'm, I'm working on a, on a project with him right now that he's been tweeting about. He's, he's trying to put together a like Space Mountain uh, surf rock tribute album. Oh, shit. That's awesome. With like awesome. Laramie Dean and like the son of, uh, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, Dick Dale. Uh, oh, shit. Too. Hmm. 
but uh yeah he was like yeah i remember watching halix and thinking what is this thing and the other person was i got to meet tony baxter at the like cast member i got uh my friend freddie chambers invited me along to the cast preview of rise of resistance and they had a ton of cast or a ton of like imagineers and former imagineers there and i have like a rule where like e- like if i know you like i recognize you like i'm like oh that's that person from that show i'm not gonna say anything because that's annoying just to like well, that's yeah. also that's the rule of la you don't yeah. do that <laughs> especially in la yeah mm-hmm. it's like don't do that like let leave them alone like you don't need to be like i know you like whatever it's a little different if it's someone that you're a fan of their work but even then i still feel like you know if if they come my way i'll say something and it'll just be something that i wish someone would say to me like oh i'm a big fan of this i hope you have a good day something like that but no literally tony baxter walked up and stood right next to me like in the ray hologram scene of the ride mm-hmm. and so i just wow. turned to him and i was like hey man i'm a big fan of your work and the like that i don't want to ruin your ride experience because it was before like the show stuff had really started sure and it was so funny because he turned to me and immediately got to talking to me about star tours (laughs) and so we we met him i got to meet his sister debbie who was really nice they had they brought their friend along who i didn't recognize her at first i was like something is familiar about this woman turns out she's a fucking bearded lady from greatest showman so i'm like oh okay cool i was just talking with a fucking like woman who's saying at the oscars no big deal whatever like literally like the humblest person ever i asked her what she did for a living she said i work in the music industry when she left and i found out who she was i was like bitch you, you don't fucking just work in the music industry what um uh letty letty lutz she was they were just talking about her on the tray stream brandon because she was the star of heart hands on a hard body oh you're right you're right they did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she was great so yeah. It was she, so was funny, in, like, she was in the Trey Anastasio Broadway musical. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, and so, yeah, like I was I was talking with Debbie was asking me, like, what is the you, that you do? And Tony was talking with like Disney fans were like hounding him. So he was like over somewhere else. And I was getting to know like Debbie and their friend. And she was asking me what I do. And I told her, I was like, yeah, I'm a documentary filmmaker. I do like stuff for the theme parks. And they're like, oh, what are you working on right now? I was like. I was like, honestly, I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys are gonna know what this is, but there was this band called Halix that played like in Tomorrowland in 1981, and their friend lit up, like literally lit up, like like a Christmas tree. And she was like, Halix, yeah, I remember Halix. I turned to her. I was like, what? Like, because keep in mind, I have <laughs> never had anyone tell me like I know what Halix is. So I turned yeah. to her. I was like, you're lying. What? She's like, show me a photo <laughs> right now. And I showed her, I showed her the poster and she literally like, it was like, it was like the years melted away and she became like a 12 year old girl again. She was like, oh my God, like freak, started wow. freaking out. Like, I know what this band is. And I was like, oh my God, I'm about to freak you out anymore. Here's photos that no one has ever seen before of the band. And she was like screaming, like, this is so crazy. And like, she's a big Disney nut too. And then, yeah, literally Debbie was like, hey, you should ask Tony if he knows what Halix is. I bet you he does. I was like, okay. And then I just... I interrupted his conversation. I was like, real quick, do you know what Halix is? And he goes, yeah, I remember Halix. Why? I was like, cool. I'm making a documentary about them. He was like, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. I can hear that just in his cadence too. Yeah, right? Yeah. I, so I do feel like a lot of former Disney Imagineers, uh, maybe even some current Disney Imagineers, if you were around at that time and you're a huge fucking Disney nerd, which uh, most Imagineers are, like you're probably going to know what Halix is somewhere in the recesses of your mind. 
Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, yeah, there, there there has to be some little things here and there that ha- have to be inspired by Halix. Like, I want to talk with Tony again or even like Joe Rody and be like, listen, guys, listen, there's no cameras here. There's no microphones. You can tell me. Captain EO was inspired by Halix, right? Just a little, like just a little bit, right? Like a little <laughs> tiny bit. You have to admit, like a yeah. little tiny bit. Like you can't tell God, me yeah. that this ragtag band of monsters, of, of aliens, robots, and humans playing the popular music of the 80s underneath Space Mountain. <laughs> like yeah. you don't see a similarity there with, with the Star Wars. That, no, no? Okay, whatever. Basically, the only difference is that the band doesn't turn a spider queen into Angelica Houston with the power of rainbows. But they could. Halix could, could, though. Yeah. Halix could, though. Halix, if anyone could, it would have been Halix. I want to, uh, <laughs> well, we I, we should bring him back and have them um, be the band, support Sunny Eclipse. Oh, yes. God, that would rule. He he needs he needs us a, a stronger band. Those, Sunny, those, the, that MIDI Sunny keyboard is the opening act to Halix. I'm yeah. Oh yeah, no, no slander to Sunny. Sunny is great, but he no. would he's be different. an awesome. He's a very different act. vibe. Yeah, he like he's got like the chill like he's got the chill vibe to him. It's kind of like yeah. when you go to see a band and then like it's there's literally one guy on keys and he's the opening act and you're like okay this is weird but you get into it like you know he, he's, he's get, got he that loud audience, singer banter. Like, he's like we're all friends here. Like that's the vibe that they start off with. Like. Yeah, Sony could could totally be totally a great open for Halix. Act. Oh god, Absolutely. yeah. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. <laughs> thank uh, you guys. The movie's great, and this was such a fun conversation. And we'd love to have you back to talk about Horizons if you ever wanted to. (laughs) Please. Yes. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Uh, Like, literally, like, I was holding back so hard. I was like, go back to Halix. Go back to Halix. I'm the the same way. Once Horizons came up and and I realized you had made that documentary, too, I was like, oh, God, we got to stay on the one topic this time. Especially because I've done so many podcasts for Halix, which nothing about nothing against Halix. I love Halix. Obviously, I spent almost two years of my life with them. (laughs) Right. But. No one really had me on to talk Horizons on any of their podcasts. Oh, well, so. we will happily have yeah, you we back will to talk Horizons. Absolutely, we have, uh, have you back. The longest episode of this show is the two-hour episode about Epcot. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm ready. Hell yeah! yeah. And like Epcot's also where we got engaged. We have a so, like, giant oh, 1982 really? map on our wall in the living room. Mm-hmm. Where did you guys get engaged in Epcot? Um, I was gonna in the do- middle. <laughs> I was gonna do it <laughs> outside of. Uh, I was gonna do it outside of Japan uh, by that arch, uh, yeah, it's a but beautiful. it was it was too packed. So then mm. we, I, tr- I was gonna try it on the docks at Italy because uh, uh, okay. we were there for food and wine, and mm. we're we're drinking uh, alcoholic this? iced chais. Uh, this was four years ago now. Oh, yeah, this would have been 20, 2016, Yeah, mm-hmm. and as I like, we were we were drinking on the dock. Like, it was this very nice, quiet moment. And like as I'm reaching into my pocket to like fish out the ring and like draw breath uh to say what i was gonna say i oh, hear right. from the uh eat to the beat america's yeah the eat to the beat eat stage to the beat. No. yeah hear from the eat to the beat stage ladies and gentlemen please welcome tiffany you know you might know her from the mall <laughs> yeah and then suddenly there's this big boomy tiffany jam and i'm like shit no yeah <laughs> so i eventually i eventually wound up doing it like on the bridge between world showcase and future world 
Yeah, so that's when I, when I say like just kind of in the middle because he, what he did was he was like trying to not do it like too in public. So he, we were right. on our way to, we yeah. had, it was already our anniversary. So we had reservations at the steakhouse in Canada. So we're on our way to dinner and he's like, I got to do this before we go to dinner. <laughs> yeah. So he oh, keeps oh. trying to like pull me to the side to like areas where they normally do like <laughs> cast like um like Disney princess meetups like the, oh like the, right near the entrance and I was like I don't think we can go in there and he was like no it's fine it's fine and I was like no we can't go in there he's like well I want to take a picture in front of the ball and I was like oh so he's gonna... asking like for a photo because I was yeah gonna ask, so like, I was what like just come stand for? see but again I didn't know what he was doing so I was like just dude just come stand in what do you mean you want why that's a dumb place to take a picture in front of the ball just come stand in the middle of the fucking walkway with me we'll do it <laughs> <laughs> so I did I drag him into the middle of the walkway like that connects oh, uh, World Showcase and Future World we take a selfie he now looking at that photo it's so funny he looks so scared yeah. and then um <laughs> we take the photo he gets down on one knee he proposes i say yes it was whatever cry? it was so fast no we've been dating 10 years uh, <laughs> uh, nine actually it was our nine year anniversary yeah um I said yes. Like it I was so fast. You cry that, and you're like, <laughs> no, no. That, that's also just not who I am. Uh, it was so fast that even though we did it like super in public, no one noticed except for one white dude with dreads who started applauding and gave me a high five. Honestly, that's the perfect. That's the perfect uh, uh, proposal. Like, yeah, it kind of weird. I feel, I feel like that's like that's like there's like two ways that it can go. Either like. It's absolutely magical where, like, you time it perfectly and everyone's like, yeah, you know, or nobody notices. It's yeah, like, it's like, great. it's like one or the other. Like, if you have like a lukewarm crowd that's just like, oh, whatever, I guess we have to clap. Like, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. It was great. Like, no one noticed. Then we went, we got a great dinner in Canada. We told oh, them we had just gotten engaged. So they, like, gave us a free dessert and were, like, super nice about it. And um, no less than six people asked me if he had done it in the Margaritaville. Mm hmm. Because earlier that day, I posted a picture from the Margaritaville. Oh, my God. So everyone was just like, did he fucking do it in Margaritaville? Yep. Yeah. And no, I had to be like, no, it. he did not propose at Margaritaville. Oh, my that God. so funny. Oh, my God. You know, God. if anything, I'm, I'm consistently on brand. Yeah, I had to ask where because, like, me and my girlfriend went ham watching honestly i forced her to, to to do it because i was having a great time just bashing on how awful most of them were but the disney wedding specials that are on oh disney god Plus, yeah oh my god it, prime entertainment that's so much no oh, there, yeah. that's too much no that is the funniest shit to me because like on honestly like like to, for us like we're like we're both like we will never propose at Disney. We'll never get married at Disney. We're like, we're like so against it. Like in our minds, like we don't care if other people do it, but like in our minds, we're like, we can't do it. And so like watching these people like have the craziest, like they're scuba diving with Mickey and Mickey's holding her hand to bring yeah, her. That's so, like, that's so weird. That's too Just much. for the proposal. So like weird. this is not the wedding. This isn't the wedding. This yeah. is the proposal. And yeah. we're like, ah like screaming laughing <laughs> yeah that, that's but, so... but that being said like i asked because the best ones in my opinion okay the best ones are either most of the ones that have caught are gorgeous absolutely beautiful sure but the worst was like they picked like up like like a grass area outside of like fort wilderness that was the saddest 
the whitest thing we've ever seen. But the <laughs> other, the other amazing one was there was a black wedding that they did, and it was like pseudo. I think it was pseudo Black Panther inspired, but I think it was more leaning on Avatar because they did it in Pandora. Fucking beautiful. Oh, wow. yeah, uh, that like bre- cool. Oh my god, breathtaking! And they did it at sunrise. And like oh, the, the photos and the cinematography and the couple was so cute too. They weren't weird in any way. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's oh this this one was like it was like okay, this one's actually cool. Yeah. But at sunrise too, because you 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 oh see that land in the dark and sunset, but it's rare anyone ever sees it at that time of day. God, that must be gorgeous yeah. with the sun rising over those mountains. Beautiful. And they picked really good colors. Like they really picked good like blues and purple colors for like the tapestry and the flower arrangements and stuff that like match perfectly perfectly with the land too it was oh that's great prime that that one i would recommend looking at disney plus because it's like it's so nice but the rest of them like all i'll say is one more thing that is like the fucking craziest of the proposals <laughs> they like i can't remember which one this was but it's in one of them i think it's one of the later ones because i think there's only like two seasons and then there's like a holiday one but in one of the later episodes, the guy had his poor wife, girlfriend, I guess at the time, like literally go out on a glacier. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I can't, I can't, I can't stress enough. Like, it's a fucking glacier. And he had her go out on the glacier. And then like, he dropped down like on a helicopter to propose. And I was like, well, first of all, this is the worst proposal of all time. And secondly, w- what about this is Disney? That's... That was the other funny thing, too. What about like, this what? is Disney? Was it just they were on like a Disney cruise to oh Alaska? Oh, my God. I think so. Actually, yes. I think you might be right. I think I think that they were like, we're going to we're going to bring you on the Disney cruise to help you with their wedding. Cause like that's Disney's thing is like, they're like, we're going to help you with this. We're going to help you with that. And like some of the things are weird. They're like, all right, we're at DCA and here comes everyone's favorite Jason Derulo. And you're like, wait, what? (laughs) Well, it's Brandon's favorite. Welcome. We talked a lot about him him last week on the cats episode. That's true. We did. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. But yeah, anyway, we're all about Epcot. You can definitely come back and talk about Horizon. Oh, hell yes. For now. And and congrats on having one of the best Disney proposals, or maybe (laughs) the best Disney proposal I've ever heard of. Oh, thank you. It was pretty chill. It was pretty chill. Yeah, good good on you guys. It was pretty chill, and it was accidentally ruined by Tiffany. (laughs) Yeah, if I had, like, done it from, like, an, uh, uh, you know, uh, barge on the river during the thing, that would have been completely horrible. (laughs) I would have been mortified. He knows that. Yeah. The more that people so who funny. noticed, I would have been absolutely horrified. Yeah. Yeah. No. We I, tried I to get Tiffany to play our wedding, but uh, she was yeah, booked. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> if people uh, wanted to find the Halix documentary, where can they watch it? It is on the Defunct Land YouTube channel right now for free. It is free to watch. Imagine that in 2020 Hell with yeah. all the streaming right? services that we have. It is a free feature-length documentary. It's called Live from the Space Stage, a Halix story. That's H-A-L-Y-X, Halix. And you can find me on Instagram at Matthew underscore Serrano or on Twitter, Matthew G. Serrano. Uh, feel free to DM me any Halix or Horizons questions that you have, and I will I would love to answer I mean, that's them. literally oh, what yeah. Brandon did. That's how we got here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you were yeah. selling See? the, uh, the, See, the fan works. club pins. <laughs> And I was yep. like, I have to have one. Yep. See, it works, guys. Just DM me. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Brandon, what about you? Yeah, if people wanted to find more of uh, my mess, uh, you can find me at Hell Yes Brandon on all of the social things. Um, my band Inkblot has some shows up on YouTube and our, our, our demo EP and our weird Tom Waits cover. Um, Happy Seppy Grown Up Hour uh, is going to be coming back, I think, in February for our uh, next sort of incarnation. We've, we've left the the pack twitch because uh we were too body for twitch which is a wild concept to me <laughs> um but so our you know our horny little puppet show is now going to be on youtube and facebook live and stuff like that so that'll be fun um it's a little bit after christmas but beth and i have also released uh our song let's talk about politics this christmas uh which you can find on youtube and at beth and Br- eh, brandon and um uh, I think that's it. Hat for... on a hat is out. Oh yeah, yeah. Hat on a hat uh, is either out now or will be, most likely will be dropping soon. Uh, is hat on a hat is my EP, uh, six songs, uh, twenty minutes. Uh, it's it's. I think it's a. I think it's a cool little record. It's like half uh, kind of funny, kind of sad songs, and half like cool instrumental jams. Uh, so yeah, uh, you can check okay. that out. Look out for that. It's either out or will be out. This is the part of the show where all our listeners might be familiar. I look at the calendar and realize when this episode's going to be out and try and figure out what's going on, you know, three weeks from now. Um, (laughs) There is actually one question. There is actually one question on Twitter that we have to answer. Oh, Oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got got one one question from... Yeah, uh, do that. From Martha May Huvier. Who was the best PA to work with? It was my girlfriend, Brie. Aww. Aww. There you go. She was the one that asked it. I'm sure she was. (laughs) Oh, I understood. I saw what was happening. Oh, yeah. Anytime I'm in that same position, Beth is generally the first person to respond. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, Yeah. So this is our first episode of 2021. So happy new year to everybody listening. We Um, did it. For yeah, we did it. We in theory, twenty twenty has ended. Uh, we made it, guys. Yeah, in right? theory. In theory, uh, that was so, crazy, right? Right. <laughs> you can find me everywhere online at um, B Scores B E E S C O R E S with an underscore after it. But the easiest way to find me would be to follow the show. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at IntuitPod, and uh, you can follow us on Instagram with following the hashtag IntuitPod because I just didn't want to make another Instagram. Um, we're on Facebook if, if that uh, gets you any, you know, mileage as a human being. But most importantly, <laughs> we have just launched our Patreon. Uh, so if you had a couple bucks to spare a month, uh, we would really appreciate it if you check it out. Uh, we are doing special exclusive uh, mini-sodes for the Patreon only in which uh, just Brandon and I do some slightly deeper dives on some of the things that we have talked about like being into as our thing of the week throughout the show um they're like about 20 30 minutes they're very fun uh there's a few first of them one's up. probably going to be ducktales first, <laughs> first one's ducktales yes uh we're there's a few of them up and uh we're gonna do that and there's also a tier where you can see some of our um behind the scenes uh documents and process videos you know brandon is going to do some tutorials about editing and we'll answer questions about our setup if you have them and stuff um so we would really appreciate it if you would check it out or share it around um other than that, thank you, as always, to Kaylin West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song, Starting Over is a Lot Like Giving Up, off the album Falling is Like Flying. 
That's all I got. I have no plugs. I still have no job. It's fine. <laughs> Who has jobs these days? I work in entertainment. Nobody's shooting. <laughs> nope. Uh, well, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. This was an absolute blast. Thank you, guys. This is awesome. And I, I, you better bring me back for the Horizons episode. Oh, dude, I, uh, we absolutely dude, we can start emailing about it now. We will. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Uh, well, all that being said, podcast over. <laughs>